Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Everybody and welcome along to Midweek. Oh, hang on a second. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. I could pay myself there, which you know normally I've got lots of things going on in my head. Um, sometimes one of them is me. Uh, it is, <laughs> it is season sixteen, episode number thirty-four. The one after, the one after we didn't do. If you see what I mean. Welcome back to the collective, and thank you very much for allowing us a. A week off. It didn't seem much like a week off. Very busy in the wrap-up after after Le Mans. I hope you guys have all recovered. Uh, up in London, our executive producer, Tim Gray. Hello, Tim. Hello, John. And on a... <laughs> you're perky as well. W- imagine, God, what, imagine what a few weeks off would do for all of us. And on a packed... An unpacked program tonight. We have what, Tim? Uh, we have all the usual features: uh, news in English, possibly in Spanish as well. Uh, we've definitely got some calendar news, lots of calendar news, including some very exciting calendar news. Uh, we have uh, Nick Damon here. He'll be talking about uh, Formula One, and he'll be doing his team-by-team guide to the Formula Three at Spa. Uh, and we have a big interview, which uh, this week is Pippo Durrani, uh, who will be uh, telling us what he's been up to in the last couple of months, because uh, he's been a bit quiet, I think, so it'll uh, be interesting to find out what he's been up to. Uh, and we appear to have lost John. Uh, so... Let's have a look at uh, some of your tweets and find out if you've missed us Ooh, missed us over the last fortnight. Uh, who have we got listening in today? Uh, Moni Elysium says, Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed your break. Tuning in on lunch break. Stiggy Marley listening to Midweek Motorsport Live again from Ohio. Running down the clock on the workday as I wait for special mail. Uh, Chris Suku... Uh, no FAs tonight following a warm chorizo salad. I'll be listening whilst preparing to go and see the Blenheim Salon Privé tomorrow and the Hampton Court Concourse on Friday. Lots of photography of great classic cars. I promise not to enjoy them. Uh, Sam Pierce is listening. May need extra wine rations going through the weekend's photos as he may have got a little bit snap happy. Uh, he's obviously been to two events at the weekend because he's got photos of some motorbikes, which I'm guessing are at Silverstone, and uh, a Blancpain endurance car, which uh, they were at Brands Hatch. Uh, who else is listening? Chris Spooku, Suku says, uh, welcome back, no AFAs tonight. Oh no, that's the one we've already had. Uh, Alexander Orkin also has no AFAs this evening. Looking forward to a typically fab show after mirin salmon and rice with a bottle of adult refreshment. 
Phil, also no AFAs from him. Uh, on Sunday, drove down to see if this guy was really as good as he is on TV. And uh, he's got a picture of himself with Ash Sutton, currently leading the British Touring Car Championship uh, and current reigning champion as well. Uh, Marcel Duc, uh, sleeping early tonight in Belgium. We'll catch up on the podcast. Looking forward to this weekend's 24H series because, of course, it's 24 hours of Barcelona this weekend and we'll have live coverage across Thursday, uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, uh, which uh, involves uh, not just the Barcelona 24 hours, uh, but we're also going to be covering two races from the Alpine Europa Cup as well. Uh, John Heintoff, uh, Johnny Palmer, uh, Peter Snowden and Nick Damon will be the team on that. Uh, who else have we got on Twitter? Let's go back to that. Uh, Sarah Rigby uh, is listening in tonight. Uh, Andrew H, looking forward to MWM, hearing from RC Racing. Many F1 teams are planning to protest the Belgian Grand Prix on the ground, so according to the regulations, it never started. Uh, Kevin Payne. He's listening. Otter FR, he's got apologies for absence uh, and we'll have to catch up on the podcast. Uh, But thanks us all for making his Le Mans week better. Uh, You're absolutely welcome. It's what we do. Uh, Hence the name. Uh, Who else have we got listening? Uh, Matt N. Dean, apologies for absence. Final packing of cars and meetings to do stage safety officer on the Three Shards Closed Road Rally at the weekend. We'll catch a podcast on our way to the rally. Another rally uh, taking place this weekend. Lots of that going on at the moment. Uh, Daniel Summers-Gill, uh, F1 team by team won't take long. Well, we have announced that Nick Damon's going to do a Formula 3 team by team instead. So uh, we'll uh, look forward to that. Let's see who else uh, we've got. The Colonel. No FA tonight, although not expecting any more than 3 minutes 27 seconds before a red flag is out for conditions outside your control. What will RC Racing have to talk in 3 minutes? Changes to Radion can't come soon enough. Uh, well, any thoughts you have about uh, whether Spa needs to change or whether uh, Spa is fine and it's uh, the race cars that need to change to be better suited to it uh, at Specutainment. If you want to talk to us uh, tonight, Yoda's uncle uh, will RC Racing be able to complete his team by team review in one t- intake of breath, or will he need two? Uh, who else? Uh, that is pretty much everyone I can find on uh, Twitter, so hopefully uh, I haven't missed you out. Uh, Johnny, back. Possibly, no. I think we'll uh, get rid of John for a moment and try him again in a little bit later. Uh, It's not just us on tonight, uh, however. Don't forget, there is two more uh, shows tomorrow and one more show tonight for your listening pleasure. And tonight it's the September edition of the Historic Racing News Radio Show. Uh, They're going to be looking back at Monterey Car Week, uh, the Pell Beach Concourse, 
the highlight of that. And as Jim Roller explains, there's far too much to be going going on to be able to see everything that goes on there. Uh, they'll also be talking about the uh, upcoming Goodwood Revival. That's later on this month. And uh, each of their team, uh, which is uh, Paul Tarsi, Joe Bradley, Jim Roller and Paul Jurd, uh, will be choosing their weirdest cars ever to take to the grid. So look forward to hearing that. Uh, that's coming up after us tonight at 10pm here on RS1. And then tomorrow night uh, at 8 o'clock we've got the Simcast and 9 o'clock it is another edition of On The Grid. More details on those later on in the show. Johnny, back. Hello, John. Hello, Tim. Oh, there you are. <laughs> I've just been standing here waiting to be talked to. That's yeah. all right. Uh, I'm going to play uh, this, and you're going to ask me to shuffle my papers. All right. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. I did say hello to Moni Elysium, but you might not have heard me. Uh, she's not listening in in the cube on our lunch break. Shuffle your I papers. Did what? That. Oh, good. Excellent. Um, and uh, what's your top story then? Uh, well, as usual, uh, well, not usual, but as we do very often on this show. Uh, we're going to start with some for, uh, Formula One news, and that means I can't say it that way. I've got to introduce our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon, first. Hello, Nick. Hello, Tim. Uh, and because we're going to start with some Formula One news. Hooray! Except uh, I'm now hearing that we've got a 30-minute delay to that, so uh, uh, that's because of uh, track conditions. So uh, Formula One news delayed. Another update on that in 30 minutes' time. Yeah, the- Nick's start sequence uh, has been postponed, um, I think, Tim. I think you'll find that's what I'm hearing from race control, from MWM control. So you, you might have to move on move on to something else then. Well, fortunately, we have something else to move on to, and that is MotoGP. Uh, there's, there's a story in MotoGP which seems to have been going on for a while and which I don't think we've actually talked about. Well, MotoGP at the weekend... We're not going to talk about that yet. We're going to talk about Maverick Vinales. Oh, God. (laughs) Right. Everybody, sit down. Grab yourself a beverage of your choice, adult or otherwise, because we're going to tell you a story. Nick Damon. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, there was Mad Maverick Vinales, named after a character in Top Gun, who was riding... Very nicely indeed, Mr. Dearman. Um, until he decided that the world was against him. And Mad Maverick then went on of a bit of a self-destructing spree in the beautiful Styrian Alps of Austria. Let's just nip back a couple of weeks to what happened there. Nick. Well... Uh, yes, I think I think yeah. I, I'm enjoying this this man. I'm enjoying the story. In fact, it was, it was, it was so good. I was going to fall asleep actually. It's soporific at this time. Um, yes, the Maverick. Who? Let's be honest. Um, how can we describe him? Quirky. Bit of a quirky, shall we? Um, what's the other word they like to use? Uh, um, unreliable. Not a good one, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Listen, if you ride a motorcycle at more than 200 miles an hour, yeah, fair enough. In the wet, and you throw it around. Let's be honest. There's one or two connections that might not be the same as everyone else. So your decision-making yeah. processes may be 
somewhat compromised or at least difficult, wired different, clocked. Di- so I think it was Gary Dodds that once said to me, GFD Computers, our official computing partners uh, of Radio Show Limited. Gary once said, they're clocked at a different speed, mate, aren't they? And <laughs> he is absolutely right because they are turned up absolutely to 11. So whatever else we think about individual motorcycle riders, I think we have to accept that getting on a motorbike and riding with a contact, two contact patches smaller than credit cards at 220 miles an hour sometimes um, is not the something that a totally sane person would probably want to do. No. Um, but don't forget, we have to go back a little bit further than this because don't forget, he'd already broken a kind of a mutual agreement to break his contract with Yamaha. So he already, he already knew he was leaving at the end of the year early um, because they couldn't get on. And despite the fact he, yeah, he, typical Maverick, he won the first race of the <laughs> yes. season and then was nowhere the next race. And then he, had, he was dead last a couple of races. Anyway, uh, in the, yeah, the Styrian race, um, in the first start, it went quite well. He was going quite well, wasn't the first start? Yes. And then third or fourth, and things were looking lovely. Maverick was a happy little chappy. And then when they got, when they got red flagged for the Pedroza and Salvadori accident, wasn't it? Salvadori accident, where of course he broke his ankle. Uh, more on him in a minute, actually. Um, they He had a problem restarting the bike on the dummy grid and, and had to start from the pit lane. And then he got a massive sulk on and spent a lot of the time um, unnecessarily revving the um, the uh, uh, revs of it uh, and trying to break it, but because you, it's very hard to break a modern engine because they've got these sort of rev limiters. Um, so he was doing that, and it was just ridiculous. And he and Yamaha said that's very naughty, and he apologised. It wasn't enough an apology, so they sacked him on the spot. Um, so so he therefore was sacked, sacked by Yamaha, where he wasn't very happy that they didn't love him, it wasn't fair, and Fabio was quicker than him, uh, and. But then we already knew that he was probably going to go to Aprilia um, to partner Alessio Spargano uh, next season. But now he's been sacked. They said, oh, tell you what we'll do. Why don't you have a little testy Westy? Uh, and he's been having his lovely test this week. And it's gone terribly well. And he's very, very happy. He's so happy. He's going to start riding for them next week at Aragon. Because he's that happy and not at all in any way up and down like a yo-yo emotionally. Yes. I'm told that story time with Hindy should be a new segment. Excellent, yes. Oh, sorry, got... uh, Go on. He's, he is replacing uh, aforementioned Lorenzo Salvadori, who might get a couple of more rides out later than he's a third bike. He has got a, a very bad ankle injury at the moment. Yeah. Um, but he will also be their test rider for Aprilia next year, so the, he's not being thrown away. The big question here <laughs> is, will everyone live happily ever after? No. Because the veneer will crack, it might last. I'm sure it'll be, it'll be lovely this year because there's no expectations, all fun. Um, but if things start going wrong, he doesn't really handle it very well. Now, I, I don't believe that Yamaha is a particularly tough environment. I think certainly compared to Ducati, it's like a kindergarten. Um, but you know, perhaps in a pretty where he will be the absolute focus because it's, it's just it's just the works team. No one wants to have a, uh, a satellite team. You know, he might he might be happy being the the, the Anointed, chosen, uniquely popular one coming seventh. More than he was, more than yeah, you know, can't tell. He is, he is very, very quick on his day, but his days have got fewer and fewer and fewer. And yes, yeah, some days tracks don't suit the, the Yamaha, but most of the time, since Vinales doesn't suit racing, Vinales has an issue racing. He hasn't been 
this is the thing about Vignali. I'm not surprised he's broken records at testing. He's good at testing. He's good at going around his own. Yeah. It's actually been his wheel-to-wheel racing that's been the problem. But he is, obviously, theoretically, and he's won Grand Prix, very, very good. He just seems to have a um, self-destruct button. Well, he doesn't, of course, have a Yamaha destruct button because that's got a red limiter. <laughs> yes. So, um, released, sacked from Yamaha Zach, for... Im- Zach, uh, what, what was it they call it? Inappropriate riding. Inappropriate use of an engine. You know? uh, yes, in, in, inappropriate use of you right hand on the throttle and your left hand on the clutch. Apparently, he was riding down the long down the front straight at uh, at Red Bull Ring in fifth gear. I, uh, yeah, the whole thing. I don't. It just goes to show you're not thinking straight because he, it's bouncing off the rev limiter. And the clue there is the title rev limiter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's bouncing off it. It doesn't go. It, it's got it's there. You can't even over rev on a downshift up. now with those, can you? No, no, no. So anyway, yeah. But that if he was that upset and he was last and he was unlucky in fairness to him in that particular event, he should just have pulled in. Just say it's it's, it's a bit odd. The last Not time he was there. last was at the Saxon Ring, and he came back and won the next one, didn't he? It's a very weird. He's a weird. He's a straight, as you say. He's, he's, you know, I think we described him as one. Mercurial. Uh, that was the word one, you were looking for. It was also one sandwich short of a picnic as well. <laughs> as well. Um, but also, again, on his day, unbeatable. Well, given that he's Maverick, surely he's won F sixteen short of a flight deck. Um, Probably yes. Yeah. Yes, uh, possibly. Yeah. So from that, then on yes. we move to the um, was it the Monster Energy British Grand Prix at Silverstone? Just under seventy thousand let in, um, which was pretty much all on the outside, and very few people on the inside. Um, uh, and we had Kes Cobb on doing the radio. Uh, you, me, and the responsible adult at various times were there over the weekend, and so was Johnny Palmer. So we had a pretty good RSL. Johnny Palmer, who I've never heard talk about motorcycles or have any interest in motorcycles ever, but was... I don't think he even knows the number of wheels in motorcycles. No, no, he will do. He will do, because he's, really? he's observant, man. He's, he's a lead commentator. Oh, he can count to two, yes. Yeah. He, yeah. Can count, he can count to two. Um... Although, interestingly, uh, grandstand seats were still available on Sunday morning. They were, uh, I heard Curry as we drove in on Sunday morning saying you yeah, can upgrade okay. to a grandstand. So all the general admission was sold, but not all of the, um, not all of the, the grandstand. Fabulous, fabulous atmosphere. Uh, you and I went on, on Saturday. The responsible adult mm-hmm. and I went on, on Sunday. And it's a long time since I've been to that level of, of a motorcycle event. And I actually really enjoyed it, Nick. No, it was great. It was really, really good. I had a lovely day. I mean, admittedly, I said, just so you know, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't Eve pulling rank. I was working on Sunday. Um, <laughs> she would have pulled rank anyway. Yeah, I know, but, but I can get out of the way. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but no, it was great. It was. Really, it, was it was a really. Um, it was really interesting. Well, what well, the most most interesting part of the whole thing was actually hearing the bikes. Yeah, I, agreed. You don't hear them properly on television. I hadn't heard them for a few years, like you, and and it was. They sound completely different. We were on the inside of the track on the run-up from Cops up to Maggots and Beckett's and all of the categories, so from Moto3, Moto2 and, and particularly GP, the acceleration up there was extraordinary. The seamless shifts on the GP bike, the upshifts were unbelievable. The downshifts and the speed of the downshifts was what really caught me out because we were trying to work out what they were doing 
And also, how early they were tipping it into maggots, which is a straight line in the car, was extraordinary to me. Just shows how fast they were going. It was a weekend in the top category again that was dominated by, and the tyres. Left-hand side of the tyres were problematical, and there were some people who had chunks. It was um, chilly, wasn't it? It, it was windy it, and chilly. I mean, it, it, it was I on Thursday and Friday, not so much on. Uh, sorry, uh, Thursday, Friday, and uh, sorry, Friday and Saturday, not so much oh, on there, Sunday. It was, yeah. it was very, very chilly on with the wind. I mean, I know this thing going to be the summer, so we expect it to be awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, the, the, there was a lot of, of complaints about tyres or, or getting to work, probably should I say? Um, no. Marquez had his massive off on Friday. Um, that was huge. Say, due to a cold tyre, which he he just got up, um, and uh, he then um, effectively uh, uh, well, he, got, he got up after the massive fall. Um, got a bit of dust in his eye, um, but there's a very good piece. I think you got a very good piece of a compar- comparing an accident that uh, Barry Sheen had. I think Matt Oxy wrote it again in Motorsport. He is good. Yeah, in 1975, compared to what Mark did, similar speeds, completely different answers. She in hospital for uh, six to seven weeks and yes. with permanent for the rest of his life injuries. And Mark, some dust in his eye. So that is the um, that is the the. He the took fabulous... a chunk. He took a chunk out of the tarmac going in the maggots. Mm. Um, with the uh, with the footrest, he left tyre marks on there and what's more there was a white mark down there which was his leathers that had been scraped away mm. I hope Silverstone charged him uh, a repair fee for that because <laughs> if you've ever uh, taken part in any motorsport event you know that uh, any damage you make to the tarmac you have to pay uh, the cost of repairing that he 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 was very. It was what 174 miles an hour or something yeah. ridiculous. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's, it's a fantastic um, advert for uh, the safety progress that's been made with airbags and leathers and everything else. And it's great because that's what you want. You don't, you don't want to see anyone getting hurt. However, you do kind of feel that, uh, that Marquez isn't learning at the moment, is he? Because he then managed to uh, take uh, Jorge Martin off um, four quarters into the race. Well, he, he's um, he's got to get. A grid penalty for that, hasn't he? That was that was absolutely absolutely. Hang on, I'm looking it up in in the book. Hang on, I've got the book here. Is that is that is that the book you think she should have thrown at him? Yeah, and <laughs> and under the irresponsible or dangerous riding. Oh, there's a picture of Mark Marquez on the first yeah, lap. I mean, what, what I don't understand is, and and, and, and uh, all right, again, we've all, we've we've preceded this with their brains don't work properly or they work differently. But Mark is injured and he's coming back. He has no chance in the World Championship whatsoever. Surely he should be trying to just run mm. quick, safe races over race distance. Yeah, get himself It doesn't again, matter if he's seventh or ninth. Yeah. It doesn't matter if yeah. he's third or eighth. Just do all the practices, all the races. Yeah. Try and get the physicality worked out. Try and work out your limits are. Get an idea of where the bike's wrong. Stop trying to win the thing because it doesn't matter. If you win or not. Basically, you need a bit more of the mentality that Carl Crutchlow had, where he said, "I'm still a test rider, even though I'm racing in a Grand Prix." Well, now, we were fortunate you know, to, to to hear Carl with us on Saturday afternoon, Saturday, yeah. and we had another chat with him uh, on Sunday afternoon as well. Him and Jake Dixon. And, you know, his attitude is one of, I'm really relaxed about this because this is not where I'm meant to be. And, and you know, 
Isn't that interesting, that, that difference? But haven't we always said on this show about Mark Marquez, the man is a genius, but he's a flawed genius, and he's putting ridiculous pressure on himself. And that suggests to me, I, I think that he's worse off than we think he is in terms of his fitness and his speed. Um, I, I think there is... There is a problem that I think he's not. I think I'm not. This is nothing new. I don't think he's been managed properly, and that well. goes from from when the accident happened. And they're supposed to have learned all this stuff since there. But somebody should be sitting down and saying, right, this is your target for this weekend. That's what you have to do. You know, everyone's everyone's cutting him slack because he is he is or he historically been so good, and we assume he will be so good again. Don't forget, I mean, don't forget what Kevin Schwantz said, um, which I poo-pooed at the time, but now I realise that Kevin Schwantz was correct. He said, for every every day you're off the bike, it takes you two days yeah, very good. to get back. Very good. So, he, so Mark was off for nine months, I think, or ten months. So so by that, Kevin's saying it should take him 18 months to be back to his, to his full power yeah. again, which is about now. Or uh, actually, it's actually about a couple of, about a month's time yeah. next year. Next uh, year, sorry, it's 2022 October. It's 18 months. Yes, uh, Alan Prosser, by the way, has just tweeted the uh, link to that Barry Sheen documentary, oh, cool. and I've retweeted it. Yeah. Uh, um, now. But, I, but I just think I also I, you know there are powers that be at dawn they, they, they they've lost Valentino Rossi um, mm. because he's retiring. Mark Marquez is their most marketable um, asset. Someone should be sitting down and going, Mark, seriously. You don't need to do this. It's fine. Well, everyone I, is fine with you finishing seventh every race and this year, and just getting better. Because the other thing he's doing, of course, this is this is really I think this is really important, is he is destroying the fear factor oh. he had over the other riders. He is so flawed now that people are not frightened of him anymore. Well, and, and, and when you and when, lose that, that's a big issue because, you, because the dominate, we've seen it Nick, before dominate by their personality. Nick, you had a rookie in Jorge Martin go, what are you doing, boy? What are you yeah. doing to, uh, you know, 150, however many wins he's had, um, eight world championships, eight world championships. Yeah. you know, all of that. And frankly, you couldn't argue with what Jorge Martin was saying. What he did at store Martin was up the inside. He was right on the curb. He couldn't have been any further over. Um, Marquez was wide, cut back in. Jorge was already there, I'm afraid. So Mark, Mark got upset about something that wasn't even Jorge's fault and then absolutely threw it. At By the way, I thought it was really, really very classy by Silverstone and the BRDC that they have renamed the final chicane before Club Valley. That's brilliant. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And from now on, of course, it will always be known as Valet. And he threw <laughs> it down the inside of the Valet chicane. Um, why I didn't think of that at the weekend, by the way, that only came to me earlier on today. Um, and, and ju- I mean, it was just... Honestly, if you'd done that on a track day in the, in the slow group, you really... Oh, anyway. You been sent home. You'd can, I say, safe, can I mention right? something else about uh, the BRDC? Yes. Uh, at the weekend, uh, Valentino Rossi walked into the BRDC clubhouse, went up to the receptionist and said, uh, apparently I'm a member here. And she said, yes, sir. Very good. Very good. He's an honorary member. Very good. He's a lifetime um, member. I must, I must try that. Hello, apparently I'm a member here. No, you're not. You're just no, sir. Who okay. are you? <laughs> <laughs> 
But well, he, he, he was those... asking whether he needed some kind of ID to get in. If he'd walked in in his leathers, of course, they would have thrown him out because he yes. didn't have a shirt and a tie on. Uh, actually, if you're sure um, a competitor racing that at the weekend, you can wear your leathers if you're in a bike race. Uh, okay. You can't wear your leathers if you've turned up on your bike road to a no. bike race. No. No, I found that out before. Not that I'm a member. I'm, I'm of the heart, you know, the Groucho Marx thing. Any club that would have me of a member, I don't really want to be a part of. So, in fairness. But, th- hey, you know. BRDC will never have me as a member, so. No, you don't know. Weirder things have happened. I can't think of my fans. No, no, you can't. You really can't. Uh, if you were to get... win a championship, a British championship, then you would automatically become a member. So. I know somebody who won a world championship and wasn't a member because there were only four rounds of it, and therefore they didn't think it was a championship. Oh well, yes, so that's not a championship. Let's let's not get in. It was the four rounds that made up that championship that year. Yes, but <laughs> you need more than that. Mm, okay. Do you? Right. Yes. Um, let's get back to the actual racing uh, at the weekends at at Silverstone. Compare and contrast then Marquez with Quateraro, who fought his way through, sat in fourth, fifth, whatever it was, picked his way through, won the race and effectively has now won the championship. He can now, as Dex would say if he was on, he could now actually go on his holidays and just well, come back for the last round. Yeah, possibly. I mean, he has laid down a good marker and he's actually put together a very good championship. So, you know, he's he's realised where he couldn't win and has settled what he can get. And, you know, he's had a bit of bad luck with the arm pump hmm. where he lost that win in... Is that Jerez? So he won the Spanish circuit. That's not big thing saying won the Spanish circuit. Um... So yeah, I mean, I think I think he's really pieced together a great championship. But you know, it'd be in a situation where no one has put together a coherent, constant challenge. You know, you've had different Ducatis being good at different weeks. Um, you know, Zarco hasn't won a race, but has been there or thereabouts a few times. Um, Jack Miller's fallen off too often. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's how you do it. You you put together a very very solid run of results, which he's done. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to say he probably won't win two or three more races before the end of the season, and he will be a very very worthy world champion. But more importantly, he'll be on sky high confidence. So you kind of wonder, you know, how you know even a much much more fit Mark Marquez is going to come back and try and challenge that. Uh, so Cal Cutchula we've talked about he was mega Jake Dixon had a bit of an unlucky uh, weekend but has gained some experience and some confidence another British rider had a chat with him on on Saturday and I like his attitude um, <laughs> asked ask the question so has Cal given you any um, any useful hints and tips I can't repeat what he said but effectively not at all is what he said wasn't he <laughs> Well, yeah, I think you know. There's not much you can say when you get you're, you're sitting on a 250 horsepower prototype racing bike. You've got to go out and do it. Yeah, which is yeah, nothing like a, a, a. I nearly said LMP2 that Moto2 bike. Was it's absolutely nothing like LMP2. I can tell you, John. No, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's it is a. How do you know that, Nick? Have you raced an LMP2 car? He has virtually. Uh, virtually, I'm a virtual LMP2. I'm, I'm almost reached average at that. Not quite, but almost reached <laughs> average. Um, Great kid. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, seriously. I mean, I think you know, I, it, people expect you to be able to just jump onto a to a MotoGP bike and be right there. And when you're a second and a half off, they go, "Oh, he's rubbish." I had no testing. Second it's, and a half. That was nothing at all. Nothing at all. Um, other categories. Uh, I'll come to Moto Two in a moment. Moto Three. Um, <laughs> the year's far and away biggest wow 
um, almost didn't score points at the weekend. Just proves how a bad qualifying session um, Pedro Costa way down the field. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 an absolute bun fight in uh, Moto Three, which is, of course has caused some of the issues. Though they did seem to be running a bit safer this year, this race. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was good to see them in the flesh. They're not particularly um, inspiring on their own, but but when there's a pack of angry wasps, they get more, more interesting. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, by the way, just hearing that Vinales will make his debut at the Arrogant Grand Prix. Oh, you said, said that, that, did you? Right, okay. Yeah. I thought you said you might. he might have, sorry. No, I said he will. Right. I said he's going to. Right. Well, you were right. <laughs> well, I mean, I, in fairness, it wasn't like a prediction. I read it. <laughs> okay. It was okay. announced in a press release two hours ago. Right. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Uh, well, what were we talking about? Uh, Moto3. there. Uh, Pedro Costa finished fifth eventually, but was sitting outside the points for a very long time. Romano Fanati uh, ahead of Jeremy Alcoba and Gabriel Rodrigo, uh, the top three. Moto 2, far and away, for me, the best race of their season. Absolutely outstanding. Um, I was wrapped in it. But still worse than any race of Moto 3? Not worse... Just different, um, in fact, I think, um, in terms of, of how it, it looks. Um, sorry, uh, I, it was Romano Fanati, uh, Nicola Antonelli and Dennis Foggia uh, in in the race, and Pedro Acosta was 11th. I thought that was wrong, even when I said it. I was looking at a free practice session result there. Uh, my apologies. Um, I, I, I just think, Nick, um, and, you know, I've been... Struggling to get my head around Moto Two, but being trackside made a huge difference because those triumphs, the seven six five triumphs, sound. I was trying to explain to somebody on Sunday night. Um, I think four of them went past during qualifying in a in a group together, and it sounded like a Merlin engine Spitfire go yeah, by. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, they, they do. They actually do sound great. I think they. Yeah, we we know what the problem with Moto Two is. It's it's, it's in an awkward halfway house where um, they're not really powerful enough, um, but they're also you know too similar. So they you know the, the, there's just not enough differentiation. Uh, Remy Gardner with a, a beautifully judged race. We know he's stepping up next season into Moto GP. Marco Bezzecchi, I thought, actually rode a pretty good race. He was on a different tyre strategy. Uh, came in second um, uh, on another one of the Calix chassis for uh, Valentino's team. I mean, half a second at the line. But frankly, Remy, once he got to the lead, there was a bit of back and forth in the last six or seven laps. Lap records blitzed. Absolutely bit. In fact, their, their race best race lap were faster than how they qualified. Jorge Navarro jumped ahead of Sam Laws to get on the podium. On the uh, Bossacuro, uh, what used to be the speed-up chassis, uh, Sam Laws on home ground, who led the race early on with a stunning, stunning manoeuvre um, through Maggots, Beckett and, and Church, just on lines that nobody else was using at that stage, but had a good run to fourth position. Uh, Remy Gardner's title to lose now, I suspect, uh, Nick. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, he's, yeah, he's obviously been... Much uh, touted by his dad, but apparently, really, is the real thing. Well, we'll find out next year. He's going up. He's going to be in in the in the big show. In up against Maverick Vinales on an Aprilia. 
until he gets upset. Uh, Remy Gardner, 231 against 187 in Mortal 2. Thoroughly enjoyed that. If you haven't seen it, worth looking at. Some really nice overtakes, re-overtaking. Silverstone works for a bike track, doesn't it? Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, I think it works. I, th- I think apart from it's lack of elevation, it works quite well as a Grand Prix track as well, actually. It um, pro- tends to provide reasonable races thanks to the, the quite abrasive nature of the uh, surface and the and the difference between the various sections. But yeah, I think I mean, I, you know, I've, I've got nothing against Silverstone as a layout. It's just very, very flat. Very, very flat. Um, you wouldn't say that if you were going over the top of the rise into Maggots and Beckett at 100 and plenty miles an hour, would you? You wouldn't say it Probably if you were running it yeah. either. Well, think, uh, that, it's far, far more likely one day I might run it than I go over a rise at 190 miles now, to be honest. True. Dave Alcock has just tweeted in at Specutainment, which any of you can do, of course. He's, he says, I know you have a fabulous relationship with the ACO, given that there's a 24-hour motorcycle enduro on the Bugatti circuit. Have you ever thought of covering that event, giving the enthusiasm in the team? You know it would be great. Uh, love to. I'd love to do that and the lorry race. There's a 24-hour lorry uh, race yes. there as well. Van Kapper coming. Hang on, I've, I've, hasn't that, that race has been cancelled, isn't it? Because shortage of drivers. Oh, for sure. Apparently, there's um, no shortage in the EU, Nick. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Well, you know why? Because they all left to go and just go home. Leave it. Leave it. <laughs> um, we would love Dave to do the 24-hour moto, uh, Van Kapper moto. It would. Uh, it's it's an event actually that I want to go to, and actually been at a motorcycle event for the first time for far too many years at the weekend. Although Nick eschewed the opportunity to come on the back of the mighty comfortable K1600 GT at the weekend. I don't think bikes are meant to be comfortable. It is very good. Joe's falling asleep on the back of that bike. Very well, comfortable. It's just, it's just, I don't, you know, whilst I don't mind being a passenger despite being a driver, I don't like being a pillion because I'm a rider. Mm. It's not you, it's me, as they <laughs> it's say. It's not you, it's... <laughs> so, we roll, so we rolled out the 993 instead and had a lovely there run. We we had a lovely run in in that. All right, listening to Midweek Motorsports, Series... Th- uh, what are we? Mm, well, um, series 16. 16, episode 34. <laughs> it is the 1st of September. Um, nip in a pinch for the 1st of the minch, or whatever it is. Um, what? I, I, I didn't know where I was going. Pinch in a punch for the 1st of the month. Ah, oh, nip in a... That also a doesn't be too quick. All right, okay. Um, I'd expect your team if you want to get in touch with us. Where would you like to go next, team? I'm actually glad that it's the first because uh, I had some strawberries and cream earlier, and the cream nice. said uh, uh, best before uh, September 2nd at 07.44. I'm thinking. Oh, that's very specific. It's very specific. And I'm thinking, ooh, I'm, I'm like 12 hours late with this, but. It's not the second after all, is it? It's the first. No. If you're listening oh, you've on a podcast, it may be a different it. date. Well, uh, but if, you, if there's anything left, you've got to get up early in the morning and have that on your muse. There then, is none you? left. Uh, there are none left. Excellent. There are none. Fewer. While uh, you, you and Nick and Johnny and Eve uh, were enjoying yourselves at Silverstone, mm-hmm. I went to mm-hmm. uh, a much nicer circuit. Uh as in Thruxton, for the latest two rounds of the Porsche Visit Cayman Islands. Sorry, did Islands. you say much flatter circuit? No, just nicer. Flatter. It's much also flatter. not flatter. It's just another airfield circuit. W- it is Woodham Silver- Hill it's Silverstone again. Light. Is, um, Thruxton is Silverstone Light. It is. It? Yeah. Silverstone without the glamour or the Grand Prix. 
but with an air, active air traffic control tower. That is true. That, which we did have at Silverstone at the weekend, in fairness. But yes, but they have it there all the time, don't they? Pretty much. What were you there for? Uh, it's the latest round to the Porsche Visit Cayman Islands Sprint Challenge GB, or the PVCISC GB, to give it its uh, <laughs> abbreviation. <laughs> I think it's better just doing the full one, to yes. be honest. This is the Cayman GT4 um, Sprint Challenge, effectively. Um, with the it club is sport challenge, yes. uh, Very good cars. Now, Porsche's press release uh, after the event says champions crowned. I think oh, that's really? a little bit premature, uh, Porsche, because although Theo Edgerton does have a lead, which is more points than are available in the final two races of the season, mm-hmm. they can't crown Dr. him Scott. yet. He's only provisional champion, because if he were to commit some heinous crime and be docked 180 points at uh, Donington <laughs> Park, then uh, he wouldn't be champion. Is that the next, is that the next round at Donnell? Uh, it's the final round. And when's that? Uh, that's uh, in October. October's my birth month. I think it would be really nice if, I don't know, if they rolled out a spare car for some aged, slightly overweight commentator to have a go at. And I think we've got the perfect uh, strap line for it as well. We'll call it Damon in a Cayman. (laughs) Oh, that works, yeah. I'm not slightly overweight. No, he's not, and he's too tall. What about Damon's mate in a Cayman? It doesn't have the same <laughs> rhythm to it, does it? The the meter I is well, I must say, When we were doing all the uh, the weather reports, they could visit the Cayman Islands. I said, like, can you just put a D in there? Visit the the Day Man. Mm. So I, I would take everything because I've already got that uh, whole business going on in, in Dubai as well, haven't I? Now, while we're talking about the Cayman Islands, don't forget you can still enter the Cayman, Visit Cayman Islands uh, competition from Haggerty Radio Le Mans. If you go to the Le Mans 2021 page, all the details are there. There's some brilliant artwork uh, to be won, which also, Sarah, I'm talking to you, features Darren Turner. Ooh. So, Ooh. yeah, LM, uh, Le Mans 2021 page on com uh, for that. I mean, if only they could get somebody out of the commentary box, Tim, into, into a car. Yeah, you know, I think that'd be only. a great idea. Uh, Theo Edgerton extended his lead uh, with uh, wins in both races at the weekend, uh, and uh, once the title is confirmed after the uh, Donington Park rounds, uh, we'll get him on the show uh, to talk to him. One person that I am also quite. Uh, Keen, we get on to the it's show. Champions, it's a champions. Was, I did say champions. Yes, uh, yes. that's because uh, Ian Humphreys is uh, provisionally the champion in the amateur category. Uh, uh-huh. Again, he won uh, both or the amateur class in both races. Uh, oh no, he didn't. He yes, he did. Yes, I was looking at Alton Park there. Uh, he won <laughs> the amateur class in both races at uh, Thruxton at the weekend. Uh, ahead of uh, Alex Malikin and Nigel Rice, who just happened to be second or third in that championship. Who, who else was on the podium at the front of the field? I want to mention uh, a guy called Stuart Gibson. Right. Because uh, this is an incredible story. Right. Uh, so, on Thursday afternoon, Stuart Gibson uh, took his ARDS test for the first time and passed it. No way. Yes. Uh, and on Saturday he qualified, and on Sunday he raced. And how did he do? 
Uh, he finished tenth in race one. Mega out of twelve. That's uh, impressive. And in race two, he was also tenth. Although out there of were still only 12. eleven starters in race okay. two. No, no, I don't care. He wasn't last. He wasn't. He wasn't last. I mean, he was the last runner because uh, in both cases, the cars behind Doesn't him matter. Uh, were very much. Uh, Doesn't the, matter. In the what was what were his lap times rebel. like? How far off the front of the field his was he fastest, in his class? His fastest lap in race two was a one twenty point four seven four. Right. Um, Pete Chambers, who is a veteran of the Porsche uh, the club racing season Gips, scene, yes. uh, his yep. best was a 120.245. So 120.245 against a what? One... 120.474. You're kidding me? Two tenths? Two tenths of a second. Um, the guy's a genius. If you're within five seconds of the, of, the, of the guys who have been doing it for a while, you're doing a good job. That's what Bradley always says. That's uh, outstanding. He was only, Has he not raced anything else before? He was only three seconds off the pace of Theo Edgerton, who's a pro and obviously won the race. Chapel. Less than three seconds, in fact. Do we know how old he is? We do not. Is he a kid or is I he have somebody no who's idea. I'll tell you what. We're going to get him on the show. He's a lost talent. He's a lost talent. That is outstanding. That is absolutely out. I doff, I doff my real and virtual cap to him. Are we going to talk about the ITV commentator or not? Uh, Tim Harvey? Yeah. Former Porsche Carrera Cup GB champion. who could only Twice, manage sixth. Third in class, though. Uh, well, no. In race one, he was... Uh, oh, yes, he was still third in class, yes. No, fourth in class. He was, behind he was on the podium Armstrong. in race two. Though, race two, he? he was on the podium, yes. After not having raced for ten years? Almost, yes. Mm. Ten and years in, and ten in kilos, that was what he was saying, wasn't it? Well, I, I was looking at some of the weights, declared weights of some of the guys at 75 and 70 kilos, and if Tim's... 10 kilos away from them, he's doing very well. No, he's 10 very kilos well away indeed. from what he was uh, in 2011. All right, okay. Well, I, I thought he, that was a sparkling job by Mr. Harvey. I was very impressed, very impressed by that. I'm very excited because I will be behind the wheel of one of those club sports uh, later in the year, although at the moment not in a race, but we're working on that. And we'll have a road car as well for the Real World Road Test. Um, so that's part of our... Uh, visit Cayman Islands sports car news. You got any more sports car news? Uh, there'll be some more in uh, the second hour of the show, probably. Maybe some more in this hour. Uh, but we're going right. to do some Formula One news, I think, now. <gasps> sorry, sorry. It's still, it's still not quite the right time to do this. We've had to suspend Nick's start procedure again. Um, but the clock is running. Um, we have um, still an hour and f- 14, 13 minutes to go to uh, to get to get this in to the program <laughs> tonight. How would you like to go next, Tim? Uh, well, uh, Porsche Super Cup. Uh, yes, did, they uh, did have a race. Did have a race um, with safety cars <laughs> and wet weather. Yes, but. We do need we to congratulate them on getting their 300th ever Porsche Mobileint Super Cup race to a checkered flag. Yes, absolutely. With windscreen wipers. 
Uh, it was dry in free practice on Friday. You're just going to read the press release out now, aren't you? No, I'm not. Uh, oh, they're back at uh, Zandvoort this weekend. As are Formula One, um, which we'll talk about in uh, in, in due little, course. Yeah, in due course. Uh, one thing that we didn't talk about whilst we're in our Cayman Island visit Cayman Island sports car news. One thing that we didn't talk about um, after Le Mans because it sort of got melded in with everything is uh, is the announcement that Velox Racing Nick are coming back with. Uh, a, a hypercar. Yeah, well, this is oft rumoured. Well, oft rumoured in, in, in. Well, we've been talking about it for ages, but we just weren't allowed to say who it was because Bradley and I saw this car as a clear model up three years ago. They and were talking about it when when they first looked at it when Porsche pulled out. Correct. And they thought, what can we do with just one factory team? Thinking that mm. at that point they weren't sure Toyota were going to carry on, were they? Correct. They thought this could be a chance for us to get a chance and a privateer only chance to win for an overall win. Um, so it's obviously been on the back burner, and now it's on the front burner. Mm. And I'm sure, having seen what Glickenhaus achieved um, with a very conventional entry, let's be honest, um, they'll be looking to see what they can do to something slightly cleverer. This is um, Sam Lee, of course, from uh, Velox, who are trailing the fact that a biofuel hypercar uh, called the Fangio, um, those mm. of you who know anything about Sam Lee will know he is a massive Ferrari aficionado. Um, God, when did they last race? 2004, 2005, something like that? So getting on for 18, 19 years, more than that, no... Uh, 2004. Yes, yeah, sorry, I've just had to look that up there. Um, uh, uh, Sam has said, I, I, I've worked with the manufacturer and been successful, but I wanted to grow the company back to the point where I could have more added value technically when I came back. I'm now committed to winning Le Mans under the Velox name. Uh, mm. He's trademarked the Fangio name uh, of the five times Formula One world champion Juan F- uh, Manuel in the motorsport that, um, of realms. I thought that... Uh Pagani had a Fangio. Oh, did he? But, uh, may not have trademarked it. Maybe in a special edition, so it's fine. Uh, the other thing we didn't not, mention. Sorry, uh, let me just mm, finish this, Tim, for a sec. Um, it's probably not till 2025. This is because the WEC has got a deal with Total for an exclusive supply of fuel for another three seasons, um, uh, which I, I think... Sam wants to do something with another fuel manufacturer, although he has said that he could possibly race in 2024 on that total fuel. Now, the big thing about this, which is the thing that gives it a massive amount of gravitas, is that the engine whisperer, the man who lives, as as uh, Tom Christensen would say, in the, in the world of engines, Ulrich Beretsky, um, who has won Le Mans, a, I don't know, 13, 14 times, he, with his engines, he is working on the engine concept. I'm hearing that it will be probably based on a current manufacturer engine, um, uh, but it's going to run on biofuel. Now, bio or renewable fuels are the big thing. And, and Nick, we've talked about this with uh, Mobile One Super Cup. They were going to have tried it already this year with tiny little bit of a 
of a loss of power. But next year, they're going to roll the whole championship on it. And there's mm-hmm. a couple of other championships that we're talking about it as well. This is really interesting technology. Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, we, we've, we've gone around this. I, I, we need to have many, many, many different alternative methods of propulsion, uh, which are greener and cleaner, and not just stick all our money on black or just on one, for example. So, yes, biofuels absolutely need to be part of the, uh, the smorgasbord of things we can, we can use. So, yeah, yeah, it is exciting, and it is obviously they are very, very easy to use because they're to, you don't have to do much to the vehicles or invent new vehicles. Yeah, and by the way, this is not a plucked-out-the-air idea or a concept. The car is tested. It's powered currently by a Ferrari V12 engine, which is, is what Joe and I saw three years ago. So let's keep our ears, ears and eyes pe- peeled for that uh, as that continues to be developed. Very interesting to see where that will go with Velox. Tim? Cadillac. Bless you. Uh, Cadillac. The uh, programme hey. for both the WEC and IMSA. Championships. Yes, they have. And well, they... I was going to say championships, and then I realised that the C in WEC is actually championships, so that would have WEC been series. pointless. Yes. Um, uh, with a car, uh, if the renderings are anything to go by, Nick, um, is very much along the lines of the uh, we don't need your stinking wing, uh, Peugeot. Yeah. Apparently, all of a sudden, after you know, they've had a, they've had a good run rear wings. What just pushing fifty years? It's fifty three, and now they're, 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 they're gone. We're out, out rear wings. You've gone. No, I don't like you either. Mm. Um, yeah. Another another great thing from the past being cast aside. Or the political correctness gone mad, John. That's what it is. There'll be no more round tyres next. They'll all have to be. Um, I think what is, 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 is yeah, there's people who are very, very, very left wing and people who are very, very right wing, but no one's particularly rear wings. So they decide they can lose it. Ah, very good point. See what you do. It's all about, as we talked about in some of our race car engineering features on Haggerty Radio Le Mans, it's all about this um, drag to downforce ratio, isn't it? And given that it's four to one, then you and actually you don't need a rear wing. You can get the amount of downforce you need from underbody and bodywork aerodynamics, and you don't need the honking great. We don't need your stinking wing on the back. Um, and uh, so we're going to see some very different concepts. Now, we're, we're waiting to hear, but we expect it will be Delara again. Um, was that actually announced, actually, whether it was Delara, the same as BMW? Um, there's also some speculation that that car or some mule of that car was testing at the Nürburgring the week after Le Mans because of some um, relatively throwaway comments from, uh, it was who now, let me remember, it was Renge van der Zander, uh, wasn't it, uh, straight after Le Mans, who was asked on a, a Dutch programme, um, about how much rest he'd had and uh, he'd said well not very much um, in, in fact hang on in a second I might be able to let you hear it if uh, I can make this work here we go Sean 
Should we be hearing something? Oh, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Let me let me do this. Uh, yes, I've just realised what I did there. So this was on a Dutch. This was on Zegel Sport. Is it going to be very um, sweary? I know what no, Dutch no, motorsports no, no. like. No, no, not at all. Uh, this is uh, Regen van der Zand on Zegel Sport just after Le Mans. Back, back from Le Mans, well rested or not? I don't know what you're talking about when he was asked about the Cadillac. He said, I only had a couple of hours kip and then I was straight off to the Nürburgring testing. Uh, and they asked directly about the Cadillac and with a smile, Finger said, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, read into that what you will. I don't think there is a Cadillac right now, uh, Nick, but it would not surprise me at all if they were testing some kind of of concept or something in terms of aero. Yeah, of course. You know, if you've got an idea. You, you we haven't got long, set. have you? It's got to rule out in 2023. Yeah, you can put a mule out, you see what it does. You, you, you know, it's, it's much easier. If you've got something you can easily uh, convert, it doesn't have to be LMP2 size because you're looking at uh, a concept, aren't you? Can I make my concept work? Tim? Uh, 2017 Super GT champion is whom? Is it a Japanese man? It was, yes. Well, there, two. It'll see? be more than one because they have brilliant. two of them. Not uh, only clue, one because we can't see it anymore. Uh, it's Rio Hurakawa. Oh, is it? Oh, well, I'm very pleased, though, because he's a very nice chap. Where's he going to be on the 22nd, 23rd and 24th of uh, this month, Nick? I don't know. I haven't got his personal diary. Is it a Grand Prix? It's, it's somewhere that you're going this weekend. Barcelona. Oh, no. Um, what's, he going to, what's he going to be doing there, Nick? Well, if, if my experience says you go by filling in forms. <laughs> uh, no, he's going to be uh, testing the uh, Toyota GR10 hybrid. Oh, okay, nice. Is he? Yes, he tested oh, it before. He has, he has, he has tested before. Yeah, he's uh, he's um, he's the next generation, isn't he, of Japanese driver as far as Toyota is concerned? Very much. Uh, on the subject of uh, World Endurance Championship, uh, we have some news about next year's championship. Oh, some more uh, visit Cayman Island sports car news here. And the news is the calendar's out. Well, that's been out for a while, and we have talked about that already. Uh, but United Auto Sports oh, yes. have confirmed they will run two cars and the return of Philippe Albuquerque. I was waiting for the jingle there. Yeah, me too. And Josh Pearson, of <laughs> course, as we knew. He and doesn't have a jingle. He, not yet. He's too young. No. There used to be a rule where you couldn't be on the radio if you were under 16. <laughs> really? Philippe Alberquick. That's what we've got to call him. And uh, Iron Links mm. uh, are joining forces with Premier Power Team. Yeah, that's interesting, that. That's a sort of meeting of worlds, isn't it? Mm. And what is that going to mean in terms of the driver lineup, or do we not know yet? We do not know yet. They've not announced any drivers. Mm. Okay. Uh, but uh, Andrea Piccini, uh, who of course is the team principal of Iron Links, said uh, 
Prema is widely recognised as one of the best teams in single-seater racing. The expertise from both teams will create the perfect blend to compete at the highest level. Just before we... Uh, before uh, we move on... Yes, go on. This is um, not the only uh, news involving Prema either. All right, go on. Uh, because they are going to be the uh, organisation that runs all the teams... Uh, in the brand new uh, Formula Regional India Championship. Oh, Tim managed to shoehorn a regional Formula Championship into midweek motorsport. Which well was announced done. at the weekend. Right. Um, I'm sure we'll be covering that in meticulous detail once it kicks off. Opening round is the 25th, 26th and 27th of February at uh, the Buddha International Circuit in Uttar Pradesh. Quick tweet from uh, Ella Filipponi who says, on the concept rendering, if LMDH is meant to be based on a P2 chassis, can Cadillac have a wingless design? I'm sure it'll be quick. Either way, that's a very good question. I've got to be honest, I don't know the answer to that. No, because the chassis is completely separate from the aero. Yes, fair point, well made. <laughs> so possibly yes then. The is chassis it? is just the tub. The spine. You could stick anything you like onto it. You have pickup points you can't move, but apart from or, or or need to be addressed. But apart from that, more chat on that in the next few weeks. I feel on midweek motorsport, where I'll finish the story about the Formula Regional Indian Championship, which will <laughs> oh, really? also have events in New Delhi, Hyderabad on the streets of Hyderabad and Chennai, and will be supported by the brand new Formula Four India Championship, uh, which also launches next February. Uh, play the jingle then. Uh, this one. Yes. I think you probably want this one, don't you? Please report any unattended bags to a member of... Oh, hang on. <clears throat> Wrong script. Is Midweek Motorsport and still to come. Still to come. Uh, we'll check back in and see if Nick can actually get his Formula One news away uh, without being interrupted by red flags and stopping the starting procedure and then restarting the starting procedure. And is the clock still running? Not sure about that. Uh, your tweets on at Specutainment as well, please. We'll have some more news from the wide world of motorsport as well as some news on programmes later tonight and tomorrow but next it's our big interview with Pipo Durrani in his post Le Mans well what is his post Le Mans state find out next here on RS1 Midweek Motorsport Series 16 Episode 34 Midweek Motorsport on RS1 Right, as promised here on Midweight Motorsport, delighted to say Luis Felipe Derani, or as he is known to the world and to us at least, as Pipo Derani, is joining us here on Midweight Motorsport. Pipo, first of all, thank you very much indeed for joining us here on Midweight Motorsport. It's been far too long since we've had you on the show. Have you, how, have you recovered from Le Mans, first of all? Thanks, John. Yes, it's uh, fantastic to be back. Like you said, it's been a while. 
And uh, well, I have actually recovered. Le Mans was a was a blast this year. <laughs> I, um, despite doing 24 hours, I left the race feeling uh, still very young and uh, healthy, uh, which that doesn't happen very often sometimes after a 24-hour race. But this one was um, very refreshing, uh, very nice to be a part of. So uh, yeah, it didn't took me long to uh, to feel like I want to go again. I love it. I love that enthusiasm. Always have done with you from the first moment I I met you, people. Um, talk talk about the experience, people. This year, brand new effort with a brand new manufacturer, in a in a tremendously um, competitive race. With all right, only five cars in the LMH class, but but absolutely in the spotlight. How much pressure were you guys feeling coming into Le Mans, taking two brand new cars, which, of course, are the apple of Jim Glickenhouse's eye as well? This is the culmination of a dream for him. Yeah, well, first of all, first of all, John, for me, it was a big pleasure because um, if you guys can remember the last three times I did Le Mans, I didn't go to Le Mans last year, but the last three that I have been there, I've, I was driving a GT car, mm -hmm. and uh, and before that I've had only a couple of races uh, with a P2 car back when uh, Orica was much stronger than Ligier. So I have to say that I think it was by far the most fun <laughs> and uh, and enjoying 24 hours of Le Mans that I have done so far. And um, despite having a stronger result when I raced for four Chip Ganassi Racing in the GT Pro. In 2017, where we finished second, I felt like this was the best Le Mans I did personally, mm -hmm. and uh, it was like coming back home, you know, driving a prototype. Uh, it was just fantastic. So, uh, in terms of pressure, um, I have to say that I felt non-pressure at all. I think no one really thought uh, that we that we could do as as well as we did, let alone to finish the race. Um, so I really came into this race without any expectations whatsoever. Uh, I think the team itself really wanted to uh, at least finish. So they put a lot of effort and I believe maybe on their side for sure they, uh, they didn't want to show that they couldn't come and finish the race. Uh, so there was a little bit of pressure on their side. But for me, it was just pure enjoyment. You know, I came... Uh, makes no part of our championship in IMSA, no points awarded. It was more about trying to have a clean race, uh, knowing that you know it, it was going to be really difficult to go against Toyota. But hey, we could do something fun here if we did our jobs, our jobs uh, perfect. And uh, yeah, it could have been a little bit better. But I think if you look the overall picture, it was a fantastic achievement for a first time. Uh, at Le Mans for Glickenhaus and uh, it shows that it can be done you know we've seen some big and much bigger manufacturers in the past oh, come yeah. not very long ago and and uh, and have a complete disaster at the race and uh, it, Glickenhaus show that if you've done things right you don't really need a lot to make something really really good and I think uh, he proved that how big a difference um, all right, brand new regulations. So you know everybody knows that. So uh, you guys, um, no, non-hybrid, rear-wheel drive only. Toyota, uh, all the toys with the hybrid, all-wheel drive uh, at times. But 
brand new regulations, so brand new cars. And everybody will tell you there's not enough time. You'll, if you were given another five months, you would take another five months and one day if you could. How much difference then, people, from doing a couple of WEC races uh, to going to the 24 hours? Because it, it, a lot of people would look from the outside and go, oh, well, you've done six hours here and you've done eight hours there. How, how much more difficult can it be? It's only three times eight or four times six. But I, I would suggest it's much harder than that to get the reliability of the car and, and the simple unknowns of racing twice round the clock. Yeah, you know, John, if, uh, if you look at our race at Monza, uh, we've had plenty of problems there. One car did well, but eventually uh, they had a, a brake problem uh, with two hours to go, and uh, that required them to, uh, to change brakes and consequently lose the fight for the lead, which uh, they were doing pretty well. The other car, which was my car, we started the race already with, uh, with problems, spark plugs and, and so on. So um, it's very difficult because can you imagine the amount of work that has been done from that race, which was a month before Le Mans, so that we could go from a six-hour race where we encountered problems on both, car both cars and then to go one month later into the biggest race of the year and finish with both cars. I think that's a huge statement yeah. of how much effort uh, the team was putting it in making sure that we had a, a car that could go all the way to the end. But that takes a lot of hard work. Uh, it takes uh, a lot of competence and, and making sure that people are working well together because you might get one side of the, of the program doing well, but if you don't have all the parts connected and working properly together, then it doesn't matter if you fix the brakes, but something else yes. gives up in the middle of the race. So uh, it really is very, very difficult. To be honest, I'm surprised that we managed to finish the race and in such a competitive way, I would say, uh, in such a short period of time. Yeah. Of course, as you said, the new regulations kind of help because I think even Toyota encountered their own problems during oh, the yes. race and every once in a while they need the, to press the control bell and, and restart and go again. And uh, But, you know, that's just the nature of Le Mans now with regulations being so tight, uh, new, so new and the, and the grid being so tight between LMH and, uh, and LMP2, you cannot allow yourself to have any big and major setbacks. So I think even more effort goes into making sure that the cars are reliable mm -hmm. because you don't have the time, if you need to, uh, to just go into the garage and fix the car. So it's fantastic. I think in a way for the show, uh, regulations we've seen in the sport, they come and, and, and they change everything sometimes to shake a little bit the order uh, and sometimes just because... It's needed. Sometimes it's how the sport evolves. And um, I have to say, I think it was a fantastic time for um, for a manufacturer or a, or a small team such as uh, Glickenhaus to join the championship and show to the world that you can actually do something nice with, uh, with such a small budget. Did you... You talk about the LMP2s there. I think it was Pascal Vassalon, I think, who told us on Haggerty Radio Le Mans that they'd worked out that they had 
somewhere around about. Well, in fact, he said, um, if I remember rightly, he said, if we're in the pits for more than 20 minutes of unscheduled repairs, then we won't win the race and we could even lose it to an LMP2 car. So you guys were having pretty good battles with LMP2 cars through the race and you managed to finish ahead of all of them in fourth place overall and, and fourth place in class. I mean, was that a, was that an aim that, that you guys wanted to be ahead of the LMP2s or was it just a question of if we're there at the end, we probably will be ahead of the LMP2s? No, I think, John, the aim was always to fight further, um, the furthest possible. Even even we had some expectation that we could at some point fight a little bit or push the Toyotas a little bit. But how the race evolved, you know, with the rain, we barely tested in the rain during uh, the practices, uh, private tests that we, that we did before. Monza. I'd, I'd never driven the car in the rain, for you to have an idea. Wow. The only guy who's driven it was actually Gustavo, and Gustavo didn't race. So, uh, you need we to never... go to Monte Blanco next time and do your to testing there because you can wet the track down there. I did a test yeah, there with Aston well, once. That would have been, that would have been uh, better for us. So, uh, had the race started uh, dry, I think it would have been a little bit different we would have been uh much further away from the p2s than than we were because it took us a good part of the race for us to recover from all that wet weather that we had so uh was that just was that just a balance issue was that just a a fact that the guys didn't have the experience and you guys didn't have the car the, the car looked a bit skittish um a bit unbalanced in the wet and I know you guys had been having some traction control problems um, early on in the in, in the development but just even just breaking the car looked like it didn't want to didn't want to do what you wanted it to do is probably the easiest way of saying it people yeah I think I think what you the way you can put it is that the new regulations uh, it's they're very restricted with uh, with with the downforce level mm-hmm. right and so you you rely a lot on uh, on making sure that you are within that window uh, for the car to work. If you take, for example, if you compare, for example, the LMP1 car, the Alpine, which is a grandfathered car, uh, with our car during the the Le Mans race, they were so much faster than us through Porsche curves, which is purely an aerodynamic uh, part of the track. So uh, when the rain came, we basically didn't have First, the knowledge of what we had to do mechanically to the car, and and quite frankly, we didn't even have the time to change it during the race, uh, and and we we were lacking the arrow, which, in my opinion, the P2 cars are super strong, yes. especially the Oreca. They have shown to be very aero efficient. So, uh, if you combine all that with the fact that we were still having traction control issues, and then you even put in into comparison the Toyotas that uh, are 4x4, mm-hmm. then uh, you can rea- quickly realize that uh, we had a difference, a big difference uh, in pace to, uh, to the Toyotas or even the P2. Uh, so, so it took us a long time to... Uh, basically, the, our pace was getting better and better as the track was getting better. But then again, during the night, it rained again and we had slick tires on. So... It was really difficult in that point. And so when you say we battled with the P2, I think we could have arrived much 
further ahead than the P2 than what we actually did. But because there were so many things combined, the rain, the lack of, you know, having a perfect TC, which we worked really hard and it got better, but uh, we never had a chance to work it for, for the rain, basically. Uh, and then you combine the fact that the new aero uh, regulations are much, let's say, less than they used to in the past. Uh, I think if you put all that together, that's the reason why we basically just finished ahead of the P2. Um, but I think still it wasn't, the aim wasn't just to finish ahead of the P2, it was to push the yes. others a little bit more. And I think at least we managed to do that with the Alpine, which, uh, which was really positive and had the rain had the race didn't have any rain whatsoever maybe we could have even pushed toyota a little bit more despite knowing that they still have a big advantage uh, that, which could have been crucial as as we found from mike when we talked to him last week i think they were having to push three buttons every time they were in the braking zone to to turn the fuel pump off reprime it and then we had to remember to turn it back on again and that was only for about seven hours of the race which i can't even and you would understand the kind of nightmare that that would have to be in every yeah. every braking zone uh, did your car i mean i saw them adding water i think or pressurized fluid at least to to the car to, to the better finishing of the two Glickenhaus uh, they were having a bit of overheating um, uh, from, from quite early on in the race but, but did your car have any major issues then through, through the race? No to be honest I think the 709 had at the end some sort of uh, some sort of issue but we on 708 we, we ran a flawless race I think it was surprising how, uh, how well the car of course, we know how much hard work it was put into making sure that we could finish, but it's uh, still such a new program that it's even hard to believe that all the hard work has actually paid off. Uh, and, uh, and so that was really, uh, really nice. Um, People, you're in, a, you're in a, uh, not a unique situation, but an unusual situation because you can make direct comparisons with the current LMP, uh, LMH, say there you go, $5 in the jar, LMH cars, uh, and, um, and in particular, uh, obviously the Glickenhaus, which is, which is built to that very particular part of the regulations without the hybrid, and the non-hybrid DPIs, which are built on, on the current LMP2 chassis. Compare and contrast. I'm not saying say which one's better or worse, <clears throat> not at all, because I know you're going to say they are different, but is there a big difference between the two sets of regulations? Um, John, I think the best way to say it is there is and there's not. Ah. Because despite, despite still being, you know, the new regulations still being a prototype and in, in many areas of the, of the driving style, they are still a prototype, you can easily feel the weight uh, which has gone now to 1,030 kilos without any fuel. As uh, the DPI's car now, they have around 940, 930, depending on BOP and, and which one of those you're talking about. But that's already 100 kilos. That's 100 kilos less. That's me. That's me sitting in the seat next to you, talking to you while you're driving around. So, um, so I think what we have today, John, um, as, as driving... 
not saying that the LMH is not is not a is not a pleasure to drive. It is, and especially when you're taking a car to the limit. But I think what we have today in DPI, uh, it's so impressive because it's a great balance between its cornering speed, uh, overall speed, and also budget. I think for what the cars cost and what they deliver in terms of racing and in terms of speed, it's fantastic. You have to remember that. Uh, we're sometimes only two and a half, three seconds off IndyCar in a track like uh, Detroit, for example. And uh, we're talking about a, a championship that has a BOP spec tires mm -hmm. uh, against a single-seater uh, uh, championship. So the cars are really, really quick. And uh, in a way, it's sad to say that we only have uh, another year... <laughs> Uh, of that, basically, 2022 will be most likely the last uh, possible way or, or time to drive such a beautiful car like that, you know, and, do, do and you as think, a driver. Do, do you think, people, then, that the, the new DPIs, which will have the, uh, the hybrid on them, um, but, it, but again, based on a, a concept that looks uh, fairly similar to an LMP2 chassis, do you think then they will be able to be competitive and the balance of performance will be able to be achieved between the LMH cars and whichever version of the LMH cars that is, whether it's hybrid prototype, hybrid road-based, non-hybrid prototype, non-hybrid road-based, any of those four versions of LMH. Do you think that's going to be an equal fight or do you think it's going to be difficult for the, the rules makers to, to create a level playing field? Well, John, it's never easy uh, when you're talking about BOP. It's never easy. If you look at uh, our championship, I think we've we've reached a very good uh, balance right now between the manufacturers. This is in IMSA, yeah? They are so close. You know, I, there are races that one will be stronger than the other, but in general, they're they're very close. But that took a few years for us to get to this point, right? I don't think I don't think it will be different in the new regulations at, at least i hope so i hope that it won't be different that eventually we'll get to a point where it will be very uh, well balanced and racing will be as good as what we have now but that takes time it takes time because in such a competitive sport you never really know what each team is really doing and it takes time and a lot of effort for the series to understand each team and I think even more now because we're going to have so many new manufacturers and, and so many new teams um, so the more you have the more difficult it's going to be but that's not impossible uh, they've done it in the past and I and I really hope that they get to a point similar to what to where we are now which will allow everyone a, a fighting chance because there's nothing better well, there's nothing worse than going into a race knowing you can't win. Yeah. But there's nothing better either when you go into a race against uh, plenty of manufacturers of strong teams and you have a really similar chance of winning and, and you win. Yeah. So I think that brings back this, the, the, the reason why we do motorsports, you know, the essence of competition if the, if the, the cars are well balanced. And that's what we all hope for. As a as a motorsport lover, we want to be able to to fight 
to, to have a real fight instead of a, let's say, BOP fight. And what's next for you then, people? Do you go back to, you just go back to your day job? Um, obviously, you know, we're waiting to find out what Glicken House are going to do for the rest of the WE season, but Jim's made it fairly clear that um, he's probably not that interested in going to what was going to be Fuji and Bahrain now, both Bahrain. So I suppose the next time we see you on track is back in IMSA. Yeah, well, so far, uh, that's the plan. I am back in uh, in the U.S. already. And uh, as you know, <clears throat> I'm, I'm leaving here. And uh, next race will be Laguna. So uh, as you said, back to the to the day job. Which uh, I mean I that in the nicest way, of course. You know that, don't you? <laughs> can't really complain of uh, of the day job I have. So um, yeah, I'm really looking forward. Like I said, it's uh, going back into the DPI, uh, enjoying every second that I, I jump into the Cadillac DPI. It's a fantastic car to drive, and um, the last couple of races they haven't gone that bad. I have to say they were actually quite. Uh, Quite positive, so hopefully we can keep that trend. <clears throat> and as far as the season's concerned, we're right into the business end of the IMSA season now um, with WeatherTech Raceway Laguna City coming up and a championship uh, on the line. What, what's your thoughts about the last few races of the year and where you, you might be able to, to challenge and, and make up some, some ground in the championship? Well, John, um, I haven't been, actually, I haven't really been thinking much about it. I'm just basically enjoying the time, uh, enjoying each race. And and I think we will see wherever we end um, and after Petit. Uh, in my point of view right now, I'm just having fun, enjoying winning races. Who wouldn't, right? But uh, taking it a race at a time not really thinking about anything but winning races. And I think if we do that right, we will uh, then look back and see that uh, that we did what we had to do. Um, of course, we, we've we had quite a run in the last few months uh, <clears throat> after a very difficult beginning of the season for us. Uh, and the morale of the team has... Uh, has been getting better and better and uh, it's always good and, and rewarding when you start feeling that and uh, and using that to your favor, you yeah. know, using the, the extra confidence, the motivation. So uh, enjoying that moment and uh, looking forward for the next three races, uh, trying to do the same and hopefully we will look back and uh, and, uh, and achieve something nice at the end of the year. People, I'm delighted to be able to say to you that you're a professional racing driver. This is how you earn your money. Uh, and you are among a very select band of people who can honestly say that that is how they pay their bills. Actually, a very select band of people working in motorsport who can say that they, they do that to pay all of their bills. Is this an exciting time, a good time to be involved in endurance racing? I think it is, John. Uh, you know, since I joined endurance racing 2015, um, the LMP1 category was at its best at the time, right? It was yeah. uh, Porsche, Audi, Toyota, <clears throat> Nissan joining. So it was at a at the peak. 
And uh, and over the last few years, uh, they've all gone and decided to do other things. And um, I think in motorsport, you have those waves that, that, you know, they come and go. Manufacturers and, and good times, they come and go. And I think we're now getting into the point where there's another great era of sports car racing um, coming. And so to be here right now racing prototypes it's um it's fantastic you know it's all worth it because when like i said when i joined endurance i was too young to have jumped straight into one of those top programs that were um, the top at that time but now it's a different story i'm in a, a different time of my career having achieved uh, a lot over the last few years um, and so I'm in a position where hopefully, fingers crossed, I will be involved with one of those fantastic, uh, fantastic teams that are supposed to be joining in, um, the championship in, a, in, a, a few months time. So it's going to be fantastic time for sports car racing, um, for both championships, uh, each side of, uh, the Atlantic. And I think having the chance to be a part of it will be very special. Well, I've got to finish off by asking you this, and I'll understand if, if you can't tell me anything. Um, in this brave new world that we're going into, and hopefully another golden age of sports car racing, I've been around enough to see the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, the cyclical nature of it, people. Um, Glickenhaus, you've now got a relationship with you you've made your name in IMSA in TPI and particularly with with Cadillac Cadillac have announced that they want to go on and do bigger things and in the world endurance championships as well does that mean you might have to make a difficult decision between one or other of those manufacturers would it be a difficult decision that's a question I ask you (laughs) I think there's nothing I to say you couldn't do both if one was in one and one was in another. But but yes, well, I mean, no, you know. Difficult is, when you're, difficult is when you're in a position where there is nothing on the horizon. Good point. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, like I said, John, I, there's, at the moment there's uh, a few things to be worked on for sure. Uh, as you mentioned, Cadillac, they, are, uh, they announced that they want to be a part of that They will be a part of it in the near future. Um, I think it's great for the sport. Uh, we will see what's going to happen in, in, in the near future. Is it good and, for uh, WEC and Le Mans that Cadillac want to do that? And, you know, people like Penske with Porsche says he wants to do Le Mans. That's part of, you know, th- these are racing dynasties. Uh, and, and Roger, racing dynasties in the US. And they want to come and do Le Mans and, and, and potentially do the World Endurance Championship. Is that good for the World Championship? I think it is good for everyone, John. I think it's good because we finally, we're finally getting to a point where the French are communicating with the Americans in a way that is only going to drive the sport forward. You know, when you have the, the, the possibility to have a regulation that allows you to raise the best of the best in each side of the world, then how that is not good for one side or another. Yeah. You know, it just it's just fantastic for everyone involved, for journalists, for racing drivers, for race teams, mechanics, and and um, the whole sport as a whole gets uh, a new, fresh air yeah. to, to breathe. 
So, um, we just got to get the calendars sorted out so there's not too many clashes. So the likes of you and me who are enthusiastic about everything and would go to a racetrack every weekend, you to drive and me to talk about it. I don't want to have to make decisions, people. I want to see it all. That's gonna be that's gonna be a problem. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you just I don't know. We're gonna invent a new supersonic plane that uh, kind of helps. <laughs> I would say, I like you know, it. you race, race in Europe in uh, in Sunday, fly back and uh, straight into a racetrack for Sunday afternoon in IMSA. That would be great. But uh, yeah, difficult decision to make uh, where to be because I think racing is going to be fantastic in uh, both sides of the world. People, I love your enthusiasm. Always have done, sir. Um, I'm delighted for what you and Jim and the rest of the Glickenhaus team uh, achieved at Le Mans, it's so good to see the new regulations running there and the hypercar era started. Obviously, we'll be following you in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship as well. Best to you and the team. Race well for the rest of the season. Race safely. And I'll say this, although I know that you always do, enjoy yourself and just live every moment, my friend. Um, you're living the dream. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the call. Always good talking to you. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll see you soon at a racetrack. That's absolutely right, if only. Uh, that's Pete Durani with us on Midweek Motorsports. Tim Gray, where would you like to take us next in the wide world of motorsport? I'd like to take you briefly this week. I'd like to take you briefly to tomorrow. And uh, at 8 o'clock tomorrow, it is the Simcast. And it's the UK show this week. Uh, they are going to be talking about the underwhelming Assetto Corsa showcase, uh, the WRC 10 roadmap, and NASCAR 21 ignition gameplay. That's the Simcast with Matt and Jordan tomorrow at 8pm here on RS1. John and Nick are still with us. Uh, any ideas? Sort of tales of the unexpected, but I know it's no, not that. Nice. Yeah, I know, I know, but it's. I'm, the... doing, I'm doing the hand movement. It's like that, though, isn't it? It's got. It's, it's got it... a feeling of that. Yes. Yeah. Unexplainedness. Yeah. So what sort of uh, program do you think it is with unexplainedness? Murder mystery, mystery program. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, there's a bit of sort of 60s, late 60s, early 70s free song there. Somebody driving a fast car. It got, it's got a kind of a, it's got a, you think ghosts in the 60s and 70s. It's, um, oh, it's, oh, oh, was it, um, uh, Randall Hopkirk deceased. It's not Randall Hopkirk deceased. Let me give you a clue. Uh, uh, you might guess as well. Because uh, the music is uh, composed and performed by the John Gregory Orchestra. Now, you might know him as uh, former manager of Derby and Aston Villa with Wanderers, but apparently he did TV shows as well. Man has unlimited talent. Right, what is it then? It's Columbo. No! It? Yes. Just one more thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just one last thing, sir. Uh, and uh, that's because 
he got his first We're going win. To Sri Lanka. No. <laughs> Uh, Lorenzo Colombo uh, got his first victory in Formula 3 in the first race at Spa, becoming the 10th different winner in that championship this season, which is a new record. Uh, Colombo led from the restart after an early safety car, which was out for three laps, uh, with Spray shooting from the back of his campos and held off Jack Crawford and... uh, Someone else. Roman Stanek. Barry uh, Crawford. Roger. <laughs> Roger the cabin boy. Um, I've lost my place now. Um, yes, you have. Excellent. Very much Marvelous. I have. Anyway, that brings Thank us you. nicely on to nice uh, Nick Damon's team-by-team review of the Formula 3 in uh, Belgium. So let's start with <laughs> Carl in <laughs> Buzz <laughs> Racing. No, I'm not doing that. No, okay. I know it's your dream come true. I'm not doing that. By the way, I'm told um, people there just talking about the supersonic travel. Um, Marco Baronswad, who's been superb, and by the way, thank you to Marco for the uh, our, our Dutch correspondent earlier on. The 88 seat Overture airline, produced by Boom Supersonic, aims to be the first Ooh. to have zero carbon emissions. Um, this was a, a, a note last month. And United Airlines has conditionally agree, agreed to buy 15 of these yes, that. airlines yeah. that will go from London to New York, or at least New Jersey, in three and a half hours. Um, but frankly, are you going to get on anything that is produced by Boom Supersonic? Well, the interesting thing is I thought the reason behind them, the, the, the thing they thought they had done is sorted out that problem, which is the sonic boom issue, which is why it can't go I mean, land. You, you can't speed. change the laws of physics, Nick. Well, apparently they, they, they've had a way mitigating some of it. Uh, Jack Doohan won the other two Formula 3 races at Spa, by the way. Well done, Jack. Well, yeah, he was uh, extending his championship so, lead so, in the process. So a good weekend for Sons of Motorcycle Grand Prix champions. Very good point. Yes, Remy Gardner and Jack Doohan. We need to have them do the seat. Now, there's where you need to be for your race of champion sons. Mm. Champion sons, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to do one of those. What, race of champion mm. sons? Something like that. <laughs> uh, let's do some Formula yeah. One news. Are we, are we doing it? Are we, are we going? We're I'm, actually going I'm, I'm, to do I'm it. Out the now. Very right. slowly, though, uh, yes. and with the lights on. Uh, let's start with uh, a man who's got a new contract. Oh, hang on, now you've got me confused now. Sergio Perez. Sorry, Sergio, yeah. Perez. Sergio has a new contract and he celebrated it by throwing it off the track on the first lap in the wet. Well, it wasn't even um, the first yes, lap, it was the lap to the grid. The race hadn't started at that point. I'm sorry, didn't that count as 12 laps of the race? Uh, the Sun suggests it still hasn't um, started. Yeah, well, anyway, so, um, yes, yeah, so, well, well well done. Um, again, an example of not having any other options. He hasn't exactly set the world on fire, has he? Um, but I think it would be difficult to start a fire in that weather. Well, that is a very good point, uh, Tim. The, the tinder was definitely wet. Uh, yeah, so he's not, uh, yeah. I think uh, somebody said that, you know, He's coming to the last year of a car that's been completely developed over six, uh, five seasons for Max Verstappen. Um, at least with the new 2022 car, there'll be a clean slate and they can actually get work on it together to make it work better for everybody. Um, if you believe that, if you have anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, they may as well sign him because there's no real better options. 
and someone who doesn't want a new contract because he's announced his retirement from Formula One. Yes, Kimi Raikkonen, just, just six years too late, has announced his retirement from Formula One. Um, just in time to go to Ferrari's LMH project and coach That's Valentino it. Rossi. He's not going to share cars with people. Um, I think, I think, you know, I think, I mean, he's all about the work life balance and uh, he's decided he wants to have more life and less work. But uh, it's a nice job we can get it. And obviously, he has a massive fan club and he's, and he's made many people happy for many years. Just not and, you. Uh, not me, no. He might you know, want to share a car if somebody comes with an inflatable dolphin. That's true. Or an ice cream. One of the two. Or a bottle uh, of vodka, allegedly. I mean, yeah, it's possible he might carry on doing something else, but I've kind of got the impression that, you know, did he probably go back to doing the old casual rally and that sort of thing rather than getting involved in a... Oh, the casual rally. Oh, I love the casual rally. Do you I, like the casual rally? I, I, I used to go to that. Flat hat. Yeah, very yes. good. Haven't been there for uh, years. You've got yeah, your barber jacket now. You could go at the casual rally. I could go at the casual. It's very true, actually. I could be going at the casual rally. Yeah. Hello, you're, you're a bit, you're a bit posh rally. in a barber jacket. You want a, a nice barber nylon jacket for North Shields. North Shields. Barber jacket. Couldn't get more common than that. <laughs> you want an orange cagoule. You want a pork pie wrapped in foil. Flask of something. Scotch egg, Mick. Scotch yep. egg. Uh, and, uh, Cream, cream of tomato, Heinz cream of tomato soup in a flask with a Oxo cubes um, dissolved in it, just to give it a bit oh, of punch <laughs> and a drop of vodka. And that's why I don't do. Oh, rally. we're back to Kim. Anyway. We're back to Kimmy again. <laughs> uh, who's replacing Kimmy then? Well, we don't know that, but we do know who's replacing George Russell at Williams. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, wait a minute! No. You haven't let. See, you oh, say apparently Nick does know. know, but Nick does know because he's plugged in. Valtteri Bottas is replacing him at Alpha. Are we now saying that? We, are you now saying you think Nick De Vries is going to Williams? Are you? No, uh, Alex Albon's going to Williams. Oh, really? Where have you heard that one? Williams, <laughs> Alex Albon. <laughs> what? So, so hang on. Uh, so, Raikkonen and leaves. There's a there's a seat at Alpha. Yes. Yep. So we think Giovinazzi's staying, do we? No. no. Right, so there's two seats at Alpha. Yes. That are going to be filled by? I said this two weeks ago. I know. Repeat. What's that's an ILOC. ILOC, of course, is also the news today, isn't he? Yes, we'll come on to that in a moment. Right. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think Nick DeVries has got a chance for Williams. Um, Alex Albon would obviously have, could have a chance as well, because he'll actually come with some Red Bull money. Um, so I had, you know, possibly, I think it looks like, it looks like the TV's going to get another year just for, con- just for continuity, which is, he probably doesn't deserve on his pace, but you know, that's not He's got points in the last two races. No other driver other than George Russell can say that. No, because Max Verstappen scored points in the last two races and Lewis Hampton scored points in the last two races and others have as well. Hmm. Yes, maybe I think right. Hamilton for Williams, Hamilton for Williams to pull the, that's what they really need to pull that team up. I don't know. Proper, pulled up, proper pulled British up, team. It was pulled up quite effectively by, by George Russell the weekend. Well, hey, if he'd only tried a bit harder in qualifying, eh? He would have had his yeah. first victory. Unfortunately, mm. the fabulous headline: Verstappen denies mm-hmm. Russell victory. Russell yeah. first ever victory. That's from Saturday night's paper, was it? Are we doing this now, the race? No, we're not. There was no race. We we're not going to do a team by team. Right. No, uh, can, I, can I just have my, have my say, though? Yes, you can. Go on, then. Right. And I then have, I'm going to have mine. Right. Let me go this right now. We don't I have time no for all of this. I have no problem whatsoever 
with the awarding of half points based on qualifying. That's absolutely fine. If the race doesn't take place, fine. Give them half points based on qualifying. And, you know, that's, that's happened. The qualifying practice, everyone had an equal chance to do well there. They didn't. Fine. And I think, and I have no issue with, with, with Verstappen being lucky. No, he's been very unlucky recently. However, that was not a race win. That should not go down in the annals of history as a Grand Prix victory. So the points and everything else is completely well, it's separate. Like, it's, it's like not getting pole position when you start on the front of the grid, but you're not awarded a pole position if the qualifying is not able to take place and you go on championship positions. Your pole position exactly. regard, when you start on the front of the race, you do not get not pole position. Pole, you do not it's get not pole position pole. for being fastest in qualifying. You get pole position for starting no, you from don't. the front. Not this year. Not this year. You don't. Well, that's a fair uh, point as well. But I would point out that it was not a win, and I have nothing against Max, and I'm happy he's got the twelve point. How is welcome the twelve and a half points as anybody else's. I am quite pleased that both him and Hamilton got got half, half a point. point. So, so there's not a point where so there's still a chance they could draw at some point that could be count back, and it's not the chance they can never have the same thing again. Um, and I think it's great that Williams got nine points. I think it's great that that. Uh, what, a points, what a points, Mick? What a points, Mick? Prize money, lots Prize of it. money, lots of it. That's why it was lots important of it, to now because they were, they were kind of rallying about ninth. Um, you know, and, and I think it, it was interesting if you look at the, you know, I think I think Hamilton was a couple of seconds quicker than Bottas. I think that um, Max was a couple of seconds was a second and a half faster than Perez, and in between was was Russell, who let's be really honest about this, you know, is obviously going to be the second driver at, at Mercedes but- and deserves it significantly Perez. more. Perez, who Michael Massey said absolutely can't rejoin the race, of course, because he didn't know the rules. Because they got it all wrong. I mean, they got the whole thing wrong. I have noticed that that F1, as of a couple of hours ago, have rode back massively on the it's down to promoter, we're not giving you any money back. And they've now said they're discussing options about how to give money back. The whole thing was a complete and utter farce. And and it it was demeaning to pretend it wasn't run for commercial reasons. I've I've trolled. I've trolled, I have, right, and sp- mm. and and swapped some messages with people who were there. Some of mm. in the collective, you know who you are. I'm not going to mention mm. any names, um, and some who weren't who I was put onto. Spa, Spa need to hang their heads in shame, and those who run Spa. Spa is a lovely circuit run by the least, the least able people to run a bath. Never mind a race. Well, of course, they lost their direct, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago? I don't think that had anything to do with it, Nick, because it's no, been no, the no, same no. for the last several no, decades. No, we, we, we've been there, it's Sp- been equally... Uh, Spa, is, Spa is a lovely circuit and an awful place to work, and they have no idea about process. It is, it's my least favourite circuit to go and work at in the world. In the world. And it was shown this weekend why that is the case. They have no clue how to organise themselves. People were being... Yes, there was problems. Yes, there was rain. And everybody understands that. First thing is, they did what they always do. They panicked. They sent people miles away. Then they didn't sort the buses out. People were... uh, One um, single female who I swapped text with had to walk an hour back in the darkness because they they did not run the shuttle buses at the end to the emergency car parks. Fine, you can't park the cars on certain places I understand that but then you've got to run the shuttle buses and they didn't we've had this before in 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 the press car parks where they've just stopped running them or forgot to start them in the first place it is typically spa they are hopeless at it absolutely hopeless then getting people um 
stuck in car parks and that they'd already paid for and then charging them to get pulled out by tractors. That's one thing. So the organisation was a shambles, an absolute shambles. They should never run a Grand Prix again in my... Actually, they shouldn't ever run a race again. But that's fine. It's a lovely track. But they need to have some people in who understand process. Secondly, the only reason those cars went out and the only reason they kept doing it was for commercial reasons. And Formula One should hang their heads in shape. They have a race director who doesn't know the rules. They have stewards and other people there who should be better than they are. They have a situation where that at the weekend made the sport, the whole sport of motor racing, look foolish. And the only reason they went out and ran the two laps was to get a quote-unquote race, because that's what it said in the regs. But then, of course, what they forgot was, and debate this, by the way, on Twitter, what do you do on a red flag? Where do you take the result from on a red flag, Nick? Uh, one lap before. So how many laps did they do, actually, in the race under the safety car? Uh, three or two? They, they, I know they only one lap counted. They, they did two, therefore only one counted. That's so, frankly, it's two. not a race. Yes, but it needs to be two to, to be does, a race. So somebody Again. at the end of the season would be right, 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 right in their, in their uh, thoughts that they could say that wasn't a race. You shouldn't have avoided, avoided any points at all. Force majeure. Anyway, we don't have time for this be because we need to move on to our final Formula 1 story, uh, which is the new name for what uh, we have been calling Parabolica, Nick. Yes, it's now the Michele Alboreto curve, isn't it? The Alboreto curve. Curve uh, Michele uh, Alboreto, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's named after um, the obviously Italian racing driver who um, who lost his life what fifteen years ago now. Yeah, longer actually, wasn't it? Testing, uh, testing an R eight, so testing um, an Audi, yeah, high speed. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's interesting because that's that's a that's a big name change given that Parabolic is one of the most well known names in uh, can in I motor ask you Nick, history. Serious question here, and I knew Michele Alboreto, and I liked him a lot, and I remember exactly where I was when he was killed because I was with the Audi guys when the it all came through. I was sitting with Derek Bell and a few of the Audi guys when it when it came through. We were in the States. Um, and this is not to demean McKeeley. Do you think it's an odd choice that it's it's the parabolic there and not, you know, one of the chicanes or Curva Grande or or whatever? And, and, and I'm not saying yes or no that I agree with that, but it's an interesting choice, is it not? I, or does it show I'm just how much they think of them? Well, obviously, no. It's, it, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to you know, go into whether it should be or shouldn't be. I'm just very, very surprised that a classic circuit renames one of its classic corners. But you know, that no. at least it's, at least they haven't named it. You know, the real radio curve or something. That's fine. Um, <laughs> now, if it was the RSL fans. curve, different matter. <laughs> well, it'd be fine, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was that was a surprise when I read that. Not that you know, not on, on any other. Just because. Oh, okay, fine. You're renaming that, but okay. Meanwhile. Whether, uh, whether mean, it will take is another thing entirely, of course. Indeed, well, everyone's still going to call us uh, parabolic, aren't they? Uh, They'll say the, the curve of Michele Alboreto, formerly known as the... Uh, oh, parabolic, the and then uh, down yeah. the straight to the very anti Filio, and then into Curva Grande and Della Roggi and Lesmo 1 and Lesmo 2. I mean, why does Lesmo have two corners? They could have given him one of those. Fair mm, point. That's true, actually. I'm not saying right or wrong, by the way. I'm, I'm, just, no. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, Tim, Apparently do you have some news about there's a corner in between uh, Lesmo and Descari called uh, yes. Seraglio. I didn't know that. Yes, really a corner. Virtually straight. Uh, anyway, a driver that uh, Nick's mentioned already tonight, uh, and because he thinks he's going to be racing in IndyCar, uh, sorry, in Formula 1 next year, is going to be racing IndyCar for the rest of this year, and that is 
uh, Callum Eilot, who will be making his debut uh, with Junkers Hollinger Racing at the Grand Prix of Portland next weekend. It's going to be a good year. He's managed to do a bit of F1 testing. He's done Le Mans. Now he's doing IndyCar. You know, he can get himself around in the round to NASCAR. He's got the set, hasn't he? Uh, I am pleased and excited to be announcing I'll be racing with Junkers Hollinger Racing at Portland, he said. This will be my first time in the NTT IndyCar series and running in the United States uh, will be a bit of a change from running on the European side. I'm looking forward to working with the team during this first phase of their development and I'm proud to be part of this opportunity to build into their future embarkment. And, uh, what? what? Embarkment. Ricardo Junkers said... They're getting on a boat. <laughs> yes. At least it wasn't an embankment. It could have fallen in the river at that point. <laughs> and then he'd have to re-embark. Embankment. Yes, that's uh, right. Uh, Ricardo Junkos said, we're very excited to welcome Callum to the Junkos Hollinger Racing family. He's going to test tomorrow at Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the road course. He's a, he's a talented lad. I mean, it's not... I said, whilst I'm touting him as the Alfa Romeo for certain, I mean, it was, it was a very interesting um, interview with... Uh, Matteo Benito, Benito this uh, Benotto. two weeks ago, where Benotto. he said Benotto, sorry, where he said he wasn't particularly impressed with the Ferrari Juniors' performances this year, which kind of makes you think that Schwartzman's not going to get the promotion. I don't think Schwartzman so does deserves make it. More I don't likely, think he's done anything not. to deserve it in not just this year, mm. but, but it's last a bit odd that either. suddenly it gets that the uh, that the boss turns out and says that, isn't it? Where are you off to this weekend, Nick? Play the jingle. No, you have to say it. You have then... to say it first. Oh, I'm going to. I'll do the Barcelona. Uh, that is the Circuit of Catalonia at Barcelona. Because it's the 24 hours of Barcelona. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so yes, I get I get to go to a track for the first time in twenty. Well, actually, work at a track for the first time in twenty-one months. I mean, you worked no. at Silverstone just last weekend. No, he no, wasn't, wasn't working. working. No. He could not have called what we were doing working. No, it was the, it was the opposite of working. It was the it was diametrically opposite to working. Uh, what's the entry look like, Nick? Uh, it, it, it's interesting because normally this race has been obviously historically tied up with the Royal uh, Automobile Club of Catalonia, who's historically had a 24-hour race for um, saloon cars and touring cars. So it's had a very big entry. But this one's actually a little bit smaller, but very high quality, but very much a Creventic event this year. So it's interesting. That they, That's interesting. Even though it is the trophy um, Fermi... Fermi Velez. Fermi Velez, thank you very much indeed. But the... The stand, basically, if you know Creventit, it, 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 all the usual suspects are there, which is exciting. Um, so they've got a very good GT3 entry, which is great. Um, more importantly, you've got me there. But also, we have one special guest star, don't we? Ooh. Yes, in the KTM, uh, racing his first, as far as I know, four-wheel races, Miguel Oliveira. Oh, really? Yes, he's running in the KTM, because he runs in KTM, of course, in MotoGP. And he's sharing with the... Well, man who, when I think about the the early years of Creventic, is a man I think about as being kind of the, the, the heartbeat of it. Peter Cox is back. So you've got Peter Cox and Miguel Oliveira in the same car. Um, and fans of, our, of people we know, J.M. Lippmann's in, his, is, is, is in the sister car. <laughs> there are 
a, a few Spanish entries. There's the real equipped by Total yeah. Sport TCR with Jorge Belloc Diaz and Belloc Ruiz. Jorge Belloc Ruiz. So two Jorge Bellocs uh, in that. And there. Yeah, we've got. Sorry, sorry don't cut me. We have got. We've got a couple of Spanish entries. When, but normally, and, uh, and I'm sure this is all affected by the current situation. We've, we've had sort of twenty, haven't we? Um, Spanish teams. Only a couple this time. Um, and the, yeah. they're all, in fact, they're all in the uh, TCR category. Both of those that mm. I've mentioned are in the TCR. The other one is the uh, Baporo, who I think have won their class before. Yeah, they if, have. They're a good I'm, team. Yeah. yeah. With his, uh, it's a... which has got uh, Laugorina Manel and Laugonago Manuel, as well as Fluxa Domine Loring. And flukes across Lorink. so you can sort those out, mate. I will. I'll have, I'll be putting, and of course, it's a twenty-four hour straight through, so it's um, midday oh, yeah. European time to midday European time. Um, the race goes on. Uh, television coverage and radio coverage, obviously on RSL, um, will oh. be apart from the eight hours from midnight to eight. Will be on a static camera and some sound effects, which I think is eleven to seven. That's in the UK. again European time, correct? Yeah. So yeah, Jim Lippman uh, in there is an arm f- for the Czech team. RTR projects in another uh, in a, in a, in yeah. a crossboard GTX. Yeah, there's a few crossbows. It's been. I mean, it's it's, it's a it's a very very solid Creventic entry. You've got kind yeah, of all is. the Creventic usual suspects turning up. So, so they've got about thirty two, I think, at the moment. Yeah, you've got your CPs. Oh, oh you've got... Nick, Nick, there's two vortices. Well, that's that's good for the first half hour. Yeah, that's uh, no, not fair actually because you know, the vortices either they catch fire or they finish. It's kind of that toss up, isn't it? Have we caught Fowler? Have we finished? Uh, there, there is one uh, GT3 entry that's one of the Spanish entries. That's the PCR Sport uh, Ferrari 458. Uh, that is 458? No, 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 no. That Surely that isn't the 458 Italian. It must well, be 488. I haven't got a picture. Okay. I haven't got a picture. Who knows? But, uh, so who's yeah, the favourite I mean... then? Kessel? Well, uh, mm, yeah, it's it's uh, surely surely Herbeth, the Herbeth, the, the king, the, the main Herbeth team, the Renauer and our Bon and Alleman team must be due for something. They've they've not had a great one. Um, do we? I don't think we have the Czech team this year. This race. No, I've just got CP racing in there as well. The Charles. Yeah, the so They haven't got the Czechs. They've been doing very very well. So it's, it's, there's a chance for a few others to pick up some points. Because obviously, I, I, t- I tell you what, man, that Miguel Oliveira, the motorcyclist, um, as an arm, and then how is Peter Cox and Ferdinand Stuck? How are they semi pros? Well, That's I think a... Peter's one. I think Peter's down to age. Yeah, probably. Sadly, he's quite old now. <laughs> I say sadly because that means I'm even older. He's in two <laughs> different cars, actually. He's in the Stefan Rosina car as well, with Hubert Trunkenpoltz. Um, Klaus Angerhofer, uh, Saidi Sarmini. Um, that's a decent one. I tell you what, there's some decent teams in there. Evo mm-hmm. uh, and Luke Breukers. Oh, I've just noticed something. What? Um, we've got Martini. the new Audi R8. Oh, yes, that's right. I, I a, did know as that. A, um, as a, a guest car. So it's as the a, new Audi R8. We've well, got Nat Berton in it as well. Um, yeah, so that'd be interesting. To it's see an that, SRX. That, yeah, the Evo 2, yeah. Yeah. So that is interesting. I'm not sure it's the, is it the GT4 version. It's the Evo 2. It's the LMS Evo 2. It's, it's the GT3 version as a test. So they're doing a, they're, they're copying Mercedes and doing a test at Rukofenti Race, which is great news. Right. Uh, so that's uh, across the weekend. There's a couple of Alpine Formula races as well. Johnny Palmer. Alpine Europa Cup race. They're not Formula yes. races. Are they not? No, these are. Uh, um, single 
makes this is a single weight sports car championship. Oh, okay. They're all built Fantastic. by Signatech. In fact, they were Signatech. won by Signatech. Uh, so Johnny and I look after those and the qualifying and practice on Friday, and then there's a second Alpine race on Saturday, and it'll be Johnny, Peter, and Nick with me dropping in to give them some respite during the uh, two sets of well, eight hours. Obviously, I will be there during qualifying and night practice on Friday. Indeed. Nice night practice. We don't have Joe Bradley, but if you're a 24H series fan missing uh, your Joe Bradley fix, then uh, do download the program. And uh, there he is on page 57 with an article about the importance of Code 60. And he'll, uh, there's, a, there's a soap opera behind every garage door. Why, why are you putting a northeast accent? You've got a northeast accent. I don't have Joe's accent, though. <laughs> um, that's so people can tell us apart. Right. Uh, and if you're missing your Joe Bradley fix, stay tuned, because he's up next in the Historic Racing News radio show. And before we go to that, just time to tell you about On The Grid tomorrow, Tim. No, there isn't. Oh, yes, there is. No, there uh, really is. Tomorrow, On The Grid... They're going to be talking about Malala, which is uh, probably South Australia's second racetrack now that the bend has opened. Uh, They're only 100 miles apart, uh, and yet so different in character. And Malala um, is very much a classic Australian racetrack. Mark? Sorry, Mark Scaife, Simon Wills and Dean Cantor offering their thoughts, and Scaife will also be talking about the debut of Godzilla battles with Glenn Seaton and having to pre-qualify for Adelaide as well. Uh, all on, on the... Oh, I'm sure they'll be delving into Formula One as well because that is going to be worth watch, listening to just just for their debate on the Spa debacle. Um, that's it. Uh, we'll see you at the weekend. Plenty going on on... Is that RS1 at the weekend, Tim? It is. Uh, stay Everything. tuned for Paul. Yes, stay tuned for Paul Tarsi. Historic racing news. Thanks to Tim, to Nick, to the responsible adult, and particularly to Pete Durrani for being our big interview tonight. That's all from Midweek Motorsport. See you next week. Bye bye. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.